Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I am staff writer Cody Goodwin here, and I'm glad you're tuning in today. Thanks to the magic of the 247 Sports Network, we have a special guest on today's show. It's Jordan D. Hill. Jordan does a fantastic job covering the Georgia Bulldogs for Dogs 247, so we figured we'd bring him on, give us a peek behind the curtain ahead of this weekend's SEC Championship game. Jordan, we appreciate you joining us, and I have to ask, before we get into any football talk, what's on your Spotify wrapped? You know what? I am ashamed to admit I don't use a whole lot of Spotify wrapped. I, I'm I have an app that like uses YouTube and I can play it like I would Spotify. I'm just a cheapo. But if if it was on if I did use it, Tyler Childers would be big on there. Jason Isbell, probably some Sturgill Simpson. I'm kind of into the alt country, but uh, do like a lot of classic rock and a lot of classic country as well. Okay. Hey, I can personally appreciate that because Eric Church is at the top of my Spotify wrapped every single year. Like I want to say the last like five or six years, however long they've been doing wrapped. And uh, he took the spot top spot again for me this season. So I appreciate the taste of music. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, we appreciate you joining us again. Today's show going to dig into this Georgia team strengths, weaknesses, guys to watch outside of obviously Brock Bowers. Um, and we brought you on here because you're the dog experts. Um, but I wanted to start this thing with kind of a vibe check. Uh, Georgia, 12 and 0 this season. They've won 29 consecutive games. They're 41 and 1, I believe, in their last 42 games. They've won two consecutive national titles, um, have positioned themselves to chase a third in a row, something that hasn't been done in major Division I college football since Minnesota did so back in what, 1934, 35, 36. So we could probably argue if that even counts. But Jordan, how how's everybody feeling like how do the fans feel about this year's team what do people inside and outside of the building on the roster like what's the general vibe around the dogs this year well i think they know that they've been through quite a bit to get to 12 and 0 once again you know there's been a few scares along the way you know a tough game at auburn early in the year fell behind against south carolina um, and had some tough matchups really in the last month playing missouri Ole miss and playing at tennessee but They've continued to meet the moment and win those games. And and the biggest thing to me is they've dealt with uh, several different injuries along the way, but continue to work through them. And, you know, even going into Saturday's game, there there are some questions about guys like Ladd McConkey, Ra-Ra Thomas, Tate Ratledge. Um, you do have to wonder about some of those guys. But on the whole, I think uh, Georgia fans understand what they've accomplished, um, what the, the team has done to this point. Um, but that they understand that this is going to be a really tough challenge. I don't think there's many Georgia fans who just say, well, you know, we're number one and we've had all this success and you can just go ahead and ride in a win on Saturday. You know, it's it's not the case when you play Alabama. I'm sure there are parts of the fan base that are feeling super confident, um, but I'm sure that they, they will definitely have some butterflies in their stomach by the time this one kicks off. Yeah, 100%. I think that's that's probably the same of, of Alabama fans. I know that this was one they, you know, similar speaking, and I, I kind of want to, you know, touch on this here in a minute, but, you know, they kind of had Georgia circled, um, knowing that they didn't play in the regular season, and they kind of had to earn their way into the SEC championship game. But this is one that I know a lot of Alabama fans, too, were like, you know, they want their crack at Georgia. They want to, you know, go toe-to-toe with the best program in the, you know, in the country over the last few years, the premier program, which is not something that Alabama fans are used to, right? They're used to kind of sitting in that throne, but um, you know, the way Kirby has just stocked talent over there in Athens and the way that they've just played ball, it's obviously very similar to what Saban and Alabama have done. It's, it's been impressive and it's been fun to watch. And, um, I'm glad this game kind of came to fruition because this is, you know, I think it was Justin Aboigby, defensive lineman for Alabama earlier this week said, uh, you know, two Goliaths going at it and they're just going to see who's better, um, you know, and what better way to cap the, uh, 
you know, I guess there's still a lot of football left to play this season, just with bowl season, postseason. This one obviously has college football playoff implications, but um, you know, going to be a fun one. Going to be a real, real fun one. Um, of the of the guys who are injured that you just mentioned, who maybe in your opinions, kind of like who's who's the one that may maybe need the most Georgia um, to be healthy in in any capacity for Saturday's game. Well, I think it would be Brock Bowers just because of his talent. I mean, I don't think anyone would argue that he is anything but Georgia's best player. And, I mean, he's just been outstanding. And not only does he make a ton of plays as a pass catcher and is really a hellacious blocker, but he opens up so much for the other receivers. And, and I feel like that's one of the big differences in this year's Georgia's offense compared to the past uh, couple offenses for the Bulldogs. They are super deep in the receiver room and also at tight end. I mean, it seems like every week they have someone else step up, like a Dominic Lovett, uh, Marcus Rosemey, Jack St. Dylan Bell, who's a sophomore, who has really, really impressed in the last few weeks. Uh, but if you have Brock Bowers out there on the field, it opens up more opportunities for those guys because everybody's focused on number 19, and rightfully so. Um, the good news for Georgia when it comes to the injury front is that I think Brock is the guy I am the most confident among the guys who are banged up that will play. I think he could have played in the regular season finale against Georgia Tech, dealing with a little bit of ankle soreness, which is very understandable after he came back uh, from that injury uh, in mid-October. Uh, and uh, to have him back will be really big. Um, I think they wanted to be smart about limiting him and not playing him at all against Georgia Tech. And I do think you're going to see him early and often on Saturday. What ways have defenses tried to like how have defenses from other teams that George has played this year? How have they tried to defend him? Like, is it is it double team? Is it a triple team at times? Like, do they try to just like knock his block off on the line of scrimmage? Like what has anybody been affected at stopping him? Because I feel like it's not a it's not this is not a guy you can stop. It's a guy you kind of have to try and limit or contain as much as you can. Like what have other teams tried to do? Yeah, Cody, I mean, I think you hit on it. You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. I mean, I think you've seen a lot of bracketing, a lot of double teaming. And, you know, going back to probably his most impressive game against Auburn in a situation where Georgia fell behind 10-0, there was probably two and a half, three quarters where he might have had a, had a catch here or there, but he was not having, you know, a crazy game. And then fourth quarter, game's on the line. And, I mean, he's out here grabbing the ball with one hand. I mean, at one point, he had back-to-back one-handed catches. The second one did not count because uh, he was actually an ineligible man downfield. Uh, he was covered up on the formation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things you have to devote at least one guy. You're probably better off uh, devoting two, just understanding that he's going to make plays. And the problem is, like I said, that he's not all that Georgia's got. Um, even if Lab McConkey is limited or doesn't play on Saturday, they are very, very deep at wide receiver. Um, and I think that that's a big part of why uh, Carson Beck has had so much success. And, and to Carson's credit, he spread the ball around quite a bit. Um, but I think doing that early in the year when they were relatively healthy, it's huge at this point in the year because Carson knows he can count on guys. So if they decide uh, to uh, really, you know, if Alabama says we are not letting uh, Brock Bowers beat us, Carson's got other guys around him that he can say, okay, you know, they're devoting uh, this much attention to Brock, we're going to go elsewhere with the football. I like that. I like that. I hope he's healthy. Um, like seeing star players, um, you know, be healthy for the big games. Um, so I, you know, fingers crossed that he's able to suit up and play to the best of his ability come Saturday. I've, I've had this, we'll circle back to the here to the offense in just a minute, but I had, I had an idea that's been percolating in my head 
these last few weeks, because we've, we've known for a couple of weeks now that it's going to be Alabama, Georgia for the SEC title. Um, and I wanted to kind of pose this to you to kind of see what you thought. And it's that these two teams, Georgia and Alabama, similar trajectories, very similar teams, just in the way that they're made up in some areas and in the way that their seasons maybe have unfolded a little bit here at Alabama season began with a quarterback battle to replace a legend in Bryce Young, right? Jalen Milrow ultimately won the job mostly unproven at the start of the year. Now he's become one of the best quarterbacks in the country um, at Georgia. I'm not sure Carson Beck really had as much of a competition to win the starting job, but he too was replacing a legend, right? And Stetson Bennett, mostly unproven. And now he's one of the best in the country. Um, in Alabama, a lot of proven skill guys like Jermaine Burton, Isaiah Bond, deep running back rotation at Georgia. You had, you know, Lad McConkey, Brock Bowers, pretty good stable of running backs. I know they were dealing with some injuries earlier in the year, but, um, you know, a lot of nice pieces surrounding the, the new quarterbacks, right? Defensively, both teams have had to replace a lot. Um, you know, they both lost superstars. Alabama had Will Anderson Jr. Georgia had Jalen Carter. Um, they both lost productive guys to the NFL. Um, you know, but then they had returners that kind of provided a pretty good framework for, you know, where the strengths of the defenses were going to be. You know, Alabama had Kool-Aid McKinstry, Deontay Lawson, Justin Aboigby's back. Georgia, a number of high-level guys back in the secondary, like Malachi Starks, Kamari Lassiter, Javon Bullard, Tyke Smith. And then finally, you look at their seasons. Alabama obviously started slow. They took a loss to Texas. Ugly, ugly game against South Florida. Gutsy wins over AM and Arkansas. They survived the Jordan Hare voodoo. Um, and really looked good against Tennessee, LSU, Kentucky, and now they're 11-1. and one. Georgia trailed early against South Carolina, won that one, survived the Jordan-Hare voodoo as well, um, won a great game against a really good Missouri team, found a way to top their rival, Georgia Tech, rolled through Florida, Kentucky, Vandy, Ole Miss, Tennessee. They're 12-0. and 0. That's at least my thought. I'm going to stop there now because I think I could probably keep rambling, but like, you know, these two teams, I think, are a lot more similar than maybe some people give them credit for, Jordan. And I'm curious, you know, somebody who covers Georgia, just kind of what you think about you know, how similar or, you know, am I off? Like, what are what are your kind of thoughts on just the way these two teams have gotten to this point in the season? No, I mean, I think it's a very fair comparison, especially when you look at Georgia's offense early in the year. They they continued to start games very slow. They got down 13-3 to to South Carolina. I mentioned that they got down 10-0 to Auburn. And I think really sort of the cherry on top to your comparison, Cody, is they're both coming out of victories against rivals where you have a lot of questions, you know, based on how that played out. Uh, Georgia had a situation, it, it is fair to point out uh, that Georgia sat out several important guys on offense, Lab McConkey, Brock Bowers, Tate Rallage, the starting right guard, Ra-Ra Thomas, another big receiver, who have been banged up. Uh, but it just sort of felt like Georgia just wasn't totally interested in that game. Now, I think a big piece of that was, hey, self-preservation, let's win this game. They kind of went old school, just grinded it out. Kendall Milton and Dejan Edwards had big games on the ground. But it was like they just couldn't quite put Georgia Tech away. Their, their run defense really struggled. Uh, Javon Bullard said after the game, essentially, um, if we want to win another championship, if we want to get where we want to go, we have to play better in run defense. So that was a big question uh, from how Georgia played in that game. And then, obviously, you guys have covered that Iron Bowl quite well. Uh, you know that there's plenty of questions you can take out of that performance. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where we both know these two teams are very, very strong. But at the same time, you come into this game a week removed from a game where you know you have plenty of questions that this that really both these teams need to answer. The offense, I know we talked quite a bit about this just with Brock Bowers, the way Carson Beck has, you know, evolved as the season's gone along. Statistically speaking, this Georgia offense is like amazing, right? Like passing offense, second in the SEC, top 10 nationally. Rushing offense, fourth in the SEC. 31st nationally, I think, in yards per game. Scoring offense, 
almost 40 points a game, second in the SEC, top 10 nationally, total offense, second again in the SEC, number six nationally. What's been the most impressive part about Georgia's offense, just from your perspective this season? There's a couple pieces. Uh, one, I would just say how Carson Beck has played. Um, I think that they were, you know, I, I expected there to be growing pains. And really outside of like the first two games, which were UT Martin and Ball State, you just saw him kind of settle in. You know, I think it was just sort of nerves. I mean, he told us, he's like, look, it's been three or four years since I've played football. You know, I've, I've practiced quite a bit, but I haven't been in games. You know, I haven't played a ton. I think you saw him sort of knock that rust off early. Uh, he has not really forced a ton of passes that have been, you know, interceptable. You know, I want to make up a word here. Uh, he does a very good job of making good decisions and living to fight another day if he has to. You've seen really in the last month him be more willing to scramble. And Kirby Smart has talked about that, that he's got that athletic ability that, you know, some people, you know, the easy comparison between Carson and Stetson or, you know, when you kind of break them down, people would say, well, Carson's got the bigger arm, but Stetson can move. And Carson does have the bigger arm, but it's not like Carson is just a statue. He is capable of moving and uh, gaining yards on his own. And I think you'll probably see some of that on Saturday. And then really other than that, the offensive line, uh, it seems like that they have just, it's sort of been, uh, a carousel up front, you know, kind of um, having to fight and get different guys in because of injury. Going back to week three, Marius Mims, who is definitely their highest NFL prospect lineman, a guy I think will probably go in the first round when we go forward to April. Uh, he has an ankle injury. They kind of have to shift the line around, and it seems like that's just continued throughout this fall, and the latest was Tate Ratledge, like I mentioned, uh, right guard not playing against Georgia Tech. But they really haven't missed a beat. And I think Stacey Searles really deserves a ton of credit for how he's gotten this group ready. We've heard throughout the year um, some of the other linemen, some of, guys, some of the guys like Carson Beck saying, you know, we think we've got a nine, ten man uh, offensive line that, you know, those guys can come in and start. Uh, they've proven that. And uh, Georgia's once again a Joe Moore Award finalist for the top offensive line in the country. And to me, it's very hard to look at another team and say that they have a stronger argument for it than what Georgia has done this year. No, I think it's it's been very impressive. You mentioned all the injuries, and even through all of that, they're 12 games in, they've allowed, what, 10 total sacks? And then I think if, you know, those of us who use pro football focus, I think they've only allowed like 88 total pressures by opposing teams in 12 games. Like, you mentioned Beck's ability to move around in the pocket a little bit, and how we've seen that maybe more in recent weeks, but like, he just hasn't had to. Like, I remember like there was like one post game interview after I was watching a Georgia game. It may have been the Ole Miss game where he's just like, Yeah, like my jersey's really clean. I didn't really get touched. It's like, dude, you haven't been touched all year. Like, that's been, that's been really impressive. And like, of the many battles that I'm interested in watching on Saturday, it's Alabama's pass rush. Like, can they find a way to penetrate Georgia's offensive line? Because nobody has been able to do it this year. And it's just, it's, it's a, one of the many amazing things I think about this Georgia team is that even like you mentioned, despite all the injuries, they have stood up very, very well on the offensive line. And it's been very, very impressive. I'll just say to that. I mean, I think really other than, I think it was the Missouri game. I mean, they have kept him very, very clean. And, you know, I do kind of wonder, there's been conversation about him being a Heisman trophy candidate I don't see it happening. I don't think he'll be a finalist. But I do wonder, you know, if that kind of takes away from his argument is that he's got a, a an insane offensive line in front of him. He's got a ton of playmakers around him. And one piece of this that uh, Kirby has talked about is that he's got a defense that, you know, they're giving up, what, 15, 16, 17 points a game. He said, you know, you look at some of these other quarterbacks and, and the people that are in the conversation for the Heisman Trophy, 
you know, they they know they have to go out and score 40 points a game. He said, you know, that's not the case here. And, you know, Kirby wasn't really making an argument, argument saying Carson deserves it, but pointing out that there is a difference with some of these other candidates that you consider for that award. Uh, so, yeah, Carson definitely walked into a very good situation, uh, but I think he deserves a ton of credit. He's played really, really well and made the most of the guys around him. Absolutely. We talked about Carson Beck, talked about Brock Bowers. Um, you've mentioned the rotating guys on the offensive line. What's one player on this Georgia offense that maybe doesn't get as much love as they probably deserve? I think the guy right now is Kendall Milton. I think he's playing his best football as a Bulldog. He's a guy that has been banged up quite a bit throughout his career at Georgia, and you sort of saw uh, his potential at times, but he just really, really struggled to stay healthy. And it happened again going into this year. He was sort of looked at as that top running back. Hurts his hamstring in spring practice, has his spring cut short. You go into fall camp, you know, he's got a good summer under him, and then he gets hurt again. So you're sort of just going, it's just never going to happen for this guy. Give him a ton of credit. He kept working hard, missed some time early in the year, bounced back, very much playing his best football right now. Had a career game against Ole Miss. Then uh, two weeks later when they play Georgia Tech, follows it up and has a very, very strong performance. This is very much the best that Georgia's run game has looked this year. And to me, when you look at this matchup between Georgia and Alabama, seeing this actual game on Saturday, to me, that's one of the big keys to this game, in my opinion, for Georgia. How well do they run the football? Because I think you saw some of the issues that Alabama's run into in that Auburn game. I mean, I think Auburn averaged like 5.8 yards per carry. Uh, Georgia has figured out how to run the football. And the, the big difference to me when you consider those two opponents for Alabama Alabama had to know Auburn can't throw the football. We've all seen Peyton Thorne this year. Georgia has the luxury that they've got a very deep passing game. So it's going to keep Alabama's defense on edge. Very, very fascinating to see how that sort of battle winds up playing itself out. Yeah, no, and it's interesting to me that, you know, Auburn, all they can do is really run the ball. And against these both of these two teams, like it was kind of interesting to see the comparison as I was kind of going about scouting for, you know, the Iron Bowl. I was like, all right, what did Auburn do against Georgia, right? Because Kirby Smart, very well told by now, right? He came from Nick Saban's staff. They run very, very similar defenses, just all the way down to even the names of the position, right? Star and money, um, you know, and it's like, okay, what did Auburn do well? Like a lot of motion-based run scheme with that RPO and, you know, it's similar to what Auburn did against Georgia, right? They were able to force a few early mistakes, took an early lead. And, you know, I, like you mentioned, like because Georgia is able to pass the ball a little bit, they were able to fight their way back into that game. Um, you know, Alabama got weird. Like it got really weird because they, they had an opportunity early, I think, to go up 14-0 and penalty wiped the touchdown off the board. Auburn went right back down the field, scored. And next thing you know, it was a dogfight, you know, as opposed to the tide maybe walking in there and running away with it. So it's, uh, you know, that, that was really interesting to see. And I wonder if there are things that, you know, both of these teams can maybe learn from that game from the Auburn side of things. And like, you know, can you use it to run against the, the opposing team? It'd be kind of interesting to see what both of these offenses cook up a little bit on Saturday. Definitely. And and I'll be curious just to see, because, you know, going back to last week with Georgia Tech, I mean, Haynes King really did a good job in some quarterback design runs. And then it kind of felt like Buster Faulkner, who, who was a former Georgia analyst, uh, now the offensive coordinator at Georgia Tech, they kind of got away from that. And I thought that was a mistake. They were having success with that. They tried to let Haynes King kind of air it out. And at one point he had nine consecutive incompletions. So that was not a strategy that worked. Um, very interested to see just how much Shaylin Milrow runs more on design runs as opposed to just scrambling uh, to get extra yards. 
Yeah, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I guess my, one of my last questions about this Georgia offense is based on what you've seen this season, what's one area that Alabama's defense what, that you think they could take advantage of or what's one thing that you feel like you know worries you a little bit about Georgia's offense against this Alabama defense? Well, I think the biggest thing, and it's just very simple, I feel like when we talk about big games of this magnitude, it's turnover margin. And it was a big piece of why Georgia only beat Georgia Tech by eight. Uh, very first play on offense for Georgia – Dejon Edwards fumbles, and it sort of sets the stage. I think Tech got the ball around midfield, go down and score, take an early lead. And then about midway through the fourth quarter, Georgia's got a chance to put the game away. They're up 15, and it's third and goal, and Carson forces a throw into the end zone. It gets deflected up in the air. Georgia Tech intercepts it, and you know Georgia Tech stays alive. I mean, that game was not – put away when it they very much they kick a field goal the game's over they're up three possessions with like six or seven minutes left so to me that's the biggest thing you know Carson Beck especially cannot press cannot feel like he's got to make a play um, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of pressure in this moment this is definitely the biggest game he has ever played in at the collegiate level going to be a lot of pressure and you know he's been around you know he was on those teams uh, that team that lost to Alabama in the SEC title game and turned around and beat them in the national championship game. They know, and Kirby Smart has said as much this week to the players, Georgia has never beaten Alabama in the SEC championship game. That is something that I think is meant to inspire those guys and motivate them, but they got to show up and play well. And a big piece of that is just playing clean, mistake-free football, especially when it comes to holding on to the football. Georgia's defense has been equally as amazing um, this season. Uh, believe Georgia is the only team in the country to rank in the top 10 in both total offense and total defense. And then I believe they're one of three teams to rank in the top 10 nationally in both scoring defense and scoring offense. The other two, Oregon and Notre Dame. Um, we could run down the list again, but we all know how good they are. Um, what's one thing or maybe what's been the most impressive part about Georgia's defense this season, in your opinion? I think it's a secondary play because you had some questions after you lose Chris Smith, who had been there forever at safety, uh, and then also Keely Ringo, who, you know, Alabama fans are going to remember because of that pick six in the national title game. Um, but they've done a very good job of reloading. I thought they were very smart. And moving Javon Bullard from that star position to the safety spot, Malachi Starks, who's the other safety, I think he's got a real chance to be an All-American. He's a Jim Thorpe finalist. He has played excellent, just a sophomore, but he is just absurd on the back end of this defense. Um, you know, Kamari Laster, a guy that spent some time in Tuscaloosa when he was in high school, uh, originally from Savannah, Georgia, um, but he has played great. I think I saw Mel Kuyper has him as like the number three or number four cornerback when you look to April. He's been outstanding. Um, Tyke Smith, who is a veteran that uh, once upon a time was an All-American at West Virginia. He's playing that star position that uh, Javon Bullard vacated when he moved back to safety. And Tyke's played really well. He's had his moments, but especially really, really good in run support. Comes up pretty sure tackler. Um, and the big question when you look at this secondary is going to be Dalen Everett, number six. A sophomore, a guy that was highly touted when he came to Georgia. He's had his moments. He, you know, he's a guy that's a first-time starter, and sometimes he plays like it. And having said that, he's delivered some really clutch plays. He had a big pass breakup in that win against Auburn. Um, he has shown progress over the course of the season. Jalen uh, Dalen Everett is a guy that is going to get tested on Saturday, and he's a guy that's got to rise to the occasion and hang with these Alabama receivers. But, you know, when you look at this defense, it's very, very good. I think the secondary is the strength. 
Um, to me, you're really looking at what this defensive line can do because uh, they do not have a Jordan Davis. They do not have a Jalen Carter. Uh, they need those guys to step up. Uh, they got to bring consistent pressure. Uh, got to do a little bit better job than Auburn did on that last play. Maybe they'll rush uh, more than two guys. But uh, I think the onus, I think the onus uh, in this game on the defense for Georgia is that defensive line's just got to show up and be consistent and uh, cause havoc. Yeah, well, and I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity for them to do it because I, Alabama's offensive line. Um, they've gotten better over the course of the season, but they're not quite the, the the joyless murder ball version of past Alabama offensive lines that they build themselves to be in the preseason. I think, you know, they I, they had allowed, I believe it was something like 35 sacks through the first, you know, two months of the season. Now they've gotten a lot better. I think they've only allowed four sacks since the LSU game when they came back from Thanksgiving. So um, things are clicking for them. I think part of that also is just Jalen Milrose growth as a quarterback and understanding pocket presence a little bit better and just willing to step up in the pocket when things get a little hairy back there. Um, you know, but this was an Alabama offensive line that had to replace three starters from last year and it took a while for them to gel. Right. I think we all know that offensive line is one of those where just consistency and reps is a thing that's going to help. Um, they've had to shuffle some guys around a little bit. They're playing better. Um, I would argue that they're still a little leaky, um, and that will be again, another battle that I'm very curious to see, you know, this, like you mentioned, maybe not quite as deep as, you know, a previous Georgia defensive line, um, against an Alabama offensive line that can get got on occasion. So it's, you know, can Georgia capitalize on that? Can Alabama continue an upward trajectory? That'll be a very interesting battle to watch over the course of, uh, over the course of 60 minutes on Saturday. Definitely. And, you know, as I mentioned, Dalen Everett as a guy to watch for me, Kind of going off of what you were just saying, Cody, it's defensive end Michael Williams for Georgia, uh, former five-star guy that has flashed a ton, uh, missed a little bit of time early in the year with illness, has really come on strong. It was probably two or three weeks ago, Kirby Smart said, hey, Michael's playing his best football. They need him to show up, and he's done it in the past. I go back to that Peach Bowl last year. He played outstanding. I mean, for a true freshman to go up against Paris Johnson and play the way he did – Super, super impressive, but he's got to bring it. He's got to do a very good job against this Alabama offensive line, and uh, I think he's one of those guys, if you look at how he played on Saturday, it's probably going to tell us a lot about how this game played out. 100%. Is that, uh, that, maybe that's the answer to this next question. What's one player on Georgia's defense that maybe doesn't get as much love as they probably deserve? Uh, I would probably say it's uh, Malachi Starks, just because, you know, at safety, you can kind of lose sight of a guy unless he is making interceptions, which he's had a couple this year. But he just covers so much ground. And, you know, he's been talked about quite a bit by Kirby Smart. And Kirby brought up, you know, if we were in a pinch, we could play him at corner because of how good his coverage skills are. And you just don't see that a lot at safety. But he's just a real freak athlete. He's clinched the Auburn game. Uh, Georgia had the lead. Auburn was trying to drive late. Fourth down, he intercepts Peyton Thorne, and that's all she wrote. Um, Safety is one of those positions that sometimes, you know, it's sort of like offensive line. People don't notice you until you make a mistake. Malachi Starks doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. I think he's got a strong argument for the Jim Thorpe Award. He may not wind up winning it. I think Iowa's cornerback who's up for it may have a good argument for it. Uh, but Malachi is very, very gifted. I would honestly be very surprised if he is not an All-American by the time we get to that point later in this year. Based on what you've seen this season, what's uh, what's one area of Georgia's defense that has you concerned going up against this Alabama offense? I think the biggest thing is inside linebacker. And again, it's just sort of because of injury. You know, Jamon Dumas Johnson got hurt 
Very last play of the third quarter against Missouri, uh, fractured forearm. We don't know when he's going to come back. Um, Kirby Smart has been very cagey about sharing what exactly the timeline looks like there. I know, Cody, you're very surprised to hear about a coach <laughs> being cagey uh, about sharing injury updates. But because he's been out, you do still have Smile Munden, who's a junior like Jamon and has played a whole lot of football. Uh, but you've got two true freshmen in C.J. Allen and Raylan Wilson. CJ's played outstanding, especially when you consider he's a true freshman, but there's going to be mistakes. And, you know, the, there was a big opportunity for Georgia Tech in that game last week. They got CJ Allen in coverage. CJ's guy got past him going down the field. Haynes King underthrew the football. I mean, it was just he kind of got lucky on that play. You're going to have moments where true freshmen like CJ Allen and Raylan Wilson have busts. Um, I think in the Ole Miss game, Ole Miss's first drive, Raylan Wilson got got. Uh, I think it might have been a wheel route down the right sideline and gave up a big play. That's only natural. I mean, that's going to happen with young players, but they've got to step up to the challenge. I think those guys are going to get tested. I think, you know, that uh, Tommy Reese and those guys understand, hey, this is an opportunity for us to test these young guys, see if they're up for the moment. They are super talented, but they're going to have to bring it for four quarters in order uh, for Georgia to get the stops they're going to need to win this game. Yeah. 100%. I think uh, the, the willingness of Jalen Milrow to step up in the pocket and, and run on occasion, that was obviously a huge part of Alabama's win over LSU, just his willingness to take off with the football. Um, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see how Georgia finds a way to defend against that because he's, you know, he obviously he can throw the ball very well as one of the best deep pass, uh, deep ball passers in the country, but um, his willingness to run has really cracked open everything for Alabama's offense. And we saw it. I know they um, obviously it was the fourth and 31 against Auburn, but like his willingness to run in the second half really helped, uh, you know, Alabama get out of some offensive funks, um, in that game. And, um, you know, it was a muffed punt, but also a 19 yard run on a third down that helped Alabama get into position to ultimately win that game. So, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Cause like these two defenses are so similar. So it's like, you know, I, I feel like I've been watching a variation of Georgia's defense all year. And it's like, Okay, how are they going to do against a guy that can chuck the ball deeper? And how are they going to do against an offensive line that blocks very well? Like it's it's very interesting, and you know, of the many you know strings that we can pull or threads that we can pull and talk about in this game, it's it's just I don't know, it's it's super fascinating to kind of see what they're going to do. Definitely, and it's one of those things that either side of it, you know, if it's an Alabama fan confident in Alabama or a Georgia fan confident in Georgia. It's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know how you could be so certain, you know, on how this will play out. I mean, I think this is going to be a four-quarter battle. Um, I think that this is going to be a very tight game where you just have six or seven plays, depending on how they break, could determine who winds up winning the SEC. 100%. In your opinion, what do you think are what, – what's the maybe most important on-the-field battle or maybe, you know, two positional battles that you, you think will decide Saturday's game? I think uh, hitting on what uh, I had said earlier, Georgia's run game against that defensive line, I think that uh, Alabama saw you know, some of the issues they could have in stopping the run, the way Auburn ran the ball, again, almost six yards of carry. Um, and then on the other side, I think it's just going to be how Georgia's offensive line, you know, uh, well, looking at the other side, I should say, how Georgia's defensive line pressures Jalen Milrow, even if they don't get sacks. They've got to make him make mistakes. And I think that's a situation where going back to talking about the secondary, you know, for the most part, the secondary's done a very good job of following through on opportunities, catching interceptions. If the ball's out on a fumble, falling on the ball, you have to make Jalen Milrow pay if he makes mistakes. And again, you know, to go back to that fourth and 31, a big reason that happened 
you gave him, you know, six, seven seconds to make a decision. I don't anticipate Georgia doing that, but you have to make him uncomfortable, whether that's hitting him, whether that's sacking him, whether it's just pushing him off his spot. You have to get after him and make him uncomfortable. If Georgia struggles with that, if Alabama uh, and their offensive line, you know, really steps up to the challenge and really uh, sort of puts Georgia's defensive line where it wants them, Alabama's going to have a great chance to win this game. You know, it's really on this Georgia defensive line to show up and uh, become uh, a real factor if Georgia's going to win this game. 100%. Yeah, I know we've we've discussed this game from, you know, a lot of different angles here on today's show, but my last question before I let you go, Jordan, how do you see the game playing out? I don't need a prediction, but I'm kind of curious. Well, how what do you think is ultimately going to happen on Saturday after kickoff? Like I said, I think it's going to be a four-quarter game. I'll give you a prediction, Cody, even if you didn't ask for one. I'm going to say Georgia wins 31-24. Again, I think it's going to be a very close game. To me, the biggest thing is Georgia's running the football really, really well right now, and I think that that gives them an opportunity to make something happen. On this Alabama defense, I think Jalen Milrow is going to show up ready to play. I think he's going to make some big plays over the course of this game. Ultimately, I just have more confidence in Georgia to play a clean game. You know, I think we've seen Alabama struggle sometimes with procedural penalties. I think there's opportunities where Georgia could force some turnovers that sort of make the difference. So, again, I think this thing is going to be very competitive for 60 minutes. But I think Georgia finds a way to get it done and uh, not only moves to 13-0, and 0, uh, makes the playoff committee breathe a sigh of relief. Because if Alabama wins this thing, oh boy, Sunday, I'm going to make some popcorn on Sunday because it is going to get very interesting. Oh, no doubt about that. Yeah, no, I, I, I like the way you're thinking about that. Just, um, you know, Alabama's got to play a really, really clean game to give themselves, I think, the best opportunity to come out on top here. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, avoiding mistakes because Georgia's the type of team that if you do make mistakes, they will make you pay and they will make you pay very quickly. And, um, you know, I, I imagine that this is going to be one of those games where it's it's going to be one possession all the way down to the wire. I like your thought that, you know, it's going to be a four quarter game. Um, I haven't thought about what a final score prediction would be at. I just I don't know that I've just I just haven't gotten that far yet. But, you know, I, I Georgia's the favorite for a reason, um, you know, and Alabama is going to have to not only play very, very clean football, but I imagine that, you know, guys like Jalen Milrow and even the defense at times is probably going to have to make a few extra plays um, in order to give, you know, to put Alabama in position to win this game. So I, I do like Georgia right now, um, you know, but who, you know, one possession game all the way down, I 31-28, 31-27, something like that. You know, it could go either way at that point, but I think that that score range sounds about right. Definitely. And like I said, I mean, I would not be surprised at all if Alabama wins this. You know, I think they're a very talented team. And again, this feels like a game where we're going to come out of it and point to five, six, seven plays and say that is where it swung. And that's why whoever won the game wound up winning the game. I agree 100 percent. Jordan, I appreciate you taking the time to chat some Georgia football with us. I know you're super busy this week. We're super busy this week just getting ready for the showdown in Atlanta. But um, always appreciate your time and insight. And thank you so much again for joining us. Definitely enjoyed it, Cody. And uh, looking forward to Saturday finally getting here. It'll get here before too long. We can only hope, man. It's going to be a really fun time. Thank you again so much, guys, for listening to today's show. Uh, we'll be back, believe, later this week. One more show to get you guys ready for the SEC championship game. Rodak and I will be on to um, discuss the college football playoff, what kind of Alabama needs to happen. First and foremost, obviously, a win on Saturday. 
um, and we'll kind of see where the uh, playoff dominoes fall after that. But in the meantime, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. We have deals running all week, um, so you guys can get not only the best coverage of Alabama, but also you can read Jordan and the gang at Dogs 247. Be sure to check out what they're doing. Lots of great stuff leading into Saturday's SEC Championship game. Thank you again, Jordan, for joining us. Thank you so much again, guys, for listening. We will talk to you all again soon.